Welcome to Slice of Life. Because a bite was not enough, you've listened to Brenda's Bites for years, and now Brenda is expanding her show to include lifestyle happenings from around the region. Now here's your host, Brenda Alacy. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Slice of Life Indeed. We are here carving out another slice, talking to people from all walks of life in our community. And apologies for a bit of a late start. I am working from home, and we're living in the COVID era, and there are things that happen sometimes. So uh, that is uh, that is what happened this morning, a little bit of a technical glitch. But happy to be with you uh, on the show this Saturday morning. We have Tom Tam who is the longtime owner of Armor Heating and Cooling. And a little later, we'll talk with Lisa Bricado, who uh, she and her husband, Justin Bricado, own Rooted Locally, a microgreens uh, firm business right here in western New York. We'll talk with Lisa in just a few minutes. She is actually at a farmer's market on Chandler Street. So without further ado, it is a pleasure to welcome Tom Cam from Armor Heating and Cooling to his first ever appearance on Slice of Life. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Brenda. Thank you so much for joining us, Tom. And again, apologies for the late start. Now, um, you, you know, I talked about how the pandemic has affected uh, the radio station and how we all have to adjust. Uh, You are the, um, your business has been uh, multi-generational in business for 63 years. Uh, How has a pandemic affected what you do on a day-to-day basis at Armor Heat? Um, well, I guess in the beginning, it, it, it obviously slowed down because of the fears of having people in your home. And so with, I mean, one of the first things we did was just make sure that we had masks for everybody, which wasn't easy in the beginning to get. So we had right. some local people make them for us, uh, you know, the, the double layered masks. And we also provide other style masks for the men, depending on what they you know, are comfortable with. But, um, you know, one of the big fears, obviously, even for myself, is that I, I typically go into I'd say four homes a day giving estimates on, you know, generators, new furnaces, air conditioners. And obviously being 61 years old and uh, diabetic myself, there's high risk. Um, So obviously I put myself out out there every day trying to, you know, keep the company moving along so that we can keep these gentlemen employed. Yes, yes. That's a big part of it too, Tom. It's, you know, there's so many factors when you own a business, whether, of course, safety is first and foremost for both your staff and the public at large that you're serving, but also, you know, just coping with this whole issue of how to deal with a new sort of normal, as we call it. Um, But when it comes to heating and cooling, uh, what are some of the main things that people face in the winter? I mean, the obvious answer, of course, is you don't want your heat to go out. And, for instance, I've been in this house where I live in Williamsville for 16 years, and I often think about, oh, my gosh, I hope, that the, the furnace doesn't decide to go south when uh, when it's January, February, or March in Buffalo. If that were to happen, if somebody's heat goes out, what should a person do? Well, hopefully they'll have a heating contractor they're currently dealing with. Um, if not, obviously a company that like ours that's been around for 63 years, and with this new Google review process, we are the highest rated pretty much in Western New York, and it's really based on you know having parents that brought us up to have good morals and ethics and and want to take care of people like their family. And that's really how anybody that's done business with Armour Heating will tell you they feel. So first and foremost, it's really being honest. It's being able to go to a home, diagnose the problem, and and fix the problem. Um, A lot of companies today, unfortunately, are to the point where their service techs aren't very good at fixing furnaces, so they're very apt to tell you quickly, you need a new furnace. 
So, you know, if your furnace is inside 20 years, it's definitely something you should evaluate and not think for, for, for that moment that your furnace is, is, needs replacement. But you may need somebody else that can, you know, fix that furnace. It's a great piece of advice, Tom, because I think when when a furnace goes out or if you have a heating issue or even, you know, conversely in the summer uh, when you really need air conditioning, if it goes out, the first instinct, I think, for homeowners is, oh, I have to replace it and it's expensive and I don't know if I can afford it and all of those things. And you don't know, as you pointed out, who to trust. So the fact that you have even given us this heads up is important. Um, and it seems to always happen in the most inopportune time. You know, it might be in the middle of the night when it's a February uh, two degrees out. That's <laughs> so, correct. And, good and, to and know some that. Some of the things, so, Brenda. Some of the things that you got to look out for is if your furnace is say 13 years old, the odds are it's not shot. There's just a part or two that could be a problem, and you know that's very early in the game of, of length of life. 15 to 25 year life expectancy is going to be more common today than furnaces would probably go 30 40 years years ago because of the technology the secondary heat exchanger the condensate that's in it they can get plugged and cause you know havoc with a furnace so again if you don't realize that it's sometimes a simple clearing of the drain unplugging the drain internally in the furnace or figuring these little things out which might be just a standard service call um and 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 secondly all furnaces that are pretty much 20 years or newer all have minimum 20-year warranties on their heat exchangers. So if somebody's telling you your furnace is shot, you have a bad heat exchanger, they should also be offering you an option of replacement of that heat exchanger. I'm so glad you brought that up, Tom, because it's, it's you know important for people to be educated about what to do and, and what to know in a situation like that. From a, a homeowner's perspective, what could we do from a maintenance standpoint? Uh, for instance, does it make sense to change the filter every six months to a year? You know, what what can it, we do it, yeah. to maintain the, the furnace's uh, life, you know, to keep it going as long as possible? I, I would advise people to be very careful with the 3M-style filters, which are one-inch, because they're very restrictive. And a lot of mm-hmm. times that filter, if not changed un, un, enough, can cause itself to be dirty and then plug the actual airflow that can cause a freeze up in your air conditioner can call, cause a failed heat exchanger all just because of a dirty filter. So yes, filtration process is important. If it's a uh, once a year filter change, you need to still monitor because maybe in your home, it could be nine months and that it needs replacement versus 12, uh, depending on how much cooling you're using in that summer. So um, monitoring your filter is very important servicing your equipment is more important when the furnace gets older, like say after 15 years, because you're really there to really monitor the heat exchanger and make sure that you're not gassing yourself because the furnace still heats when it fails. So, you know, uh, early years of of maintenance isn't as critical. Um, A lot of companies force people into service contracts, but in between you and I, the motors are sealed and ball bearing motors, and there's really not a whole lot to do to a, a, a furnace. So, I, I suggest every three to four years in the first 10 years, and then once you get past 10 years or your age limits you to, like, replacement of your humidifier pad or your filters, then obviously a normal, you know, service plan is probably important. We're talking with Tom Cam, who is the owner of Armor Heating and Cooling, and if you need to call a reputable company, call Armor. It's 716-824-4209, 824-4209. Two, four, four, two, 
Tom, what about uh, generators, especially at this time of year when, again, you don't want to be left out in the cold, quite literally. Uh, do you do all sorts of generator sales and service as well? We do. We sell the Honeywell line of generators, which is made by Generac. Um, we've been putting in generators since 2006 storm that we had in Buffalo. Um, yes. it's, a, it's really become a really big part of our business. Um, I've just sold probably 50 generators in the last three months. And um, the problem that we're having right now, as is a lot of other product with COVID, is is that the manufacturers are having a hard time producing uh, the proper you know orders that are being put out to them. So currently I am putting in generators this month that I couldn't put in last month because I didn't have any. And then the distribution of those have been minimal, so I still have people waiting. And I feel terrible about that, obviously, because they're, they're raring to go and want those put in their homes for protection. But uh, it's, I'm only, I can only do them as fast as that, that supply and demand happens, you know. Right. I think we're learning to be patient for everything, whether it's a vaccine or a generator. But, um, Tom, how long does it take to install a generator? Is it something that your, your staff, your crew can do uh, in a few hours on a given day? It pretty much takes around from 9 o'clock in the morning to around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. The majority of them are one-day jobs. Um, the average price range for us is probably runs in the $7,000 range, which if you consider what it's bringing to you and giving you, um, I think that the value long-term is, is well worth it, especially as people get elderly, you know, they, they want to have, you know, uh, the operation or they need the operation of their house, more importantly, because they can't get around as well. So uh, it's become a very, very big ticket item in Western New York. You know, I can't believe the number I see just in my neighborhood in uh, Williamsville. It seems like every other house has one. And, you know, we always kid about we got to get a long extension cord to hook in. <laughs> but hopefully we won't need that. Uh, right. Where do you service, Tom? Are, are you serving all of Western New York or do you focus on a particular region? We're, we're pretty much in, you know, you know, just like any most businesses, you pretty much are a big circle of, your, of where you're from. So our business is located like a half a mile from the stadium. On Abbott Road, we've been there since 1960, and uh, my father, you know, had a, a, a vision of, uh, you know, location. And then in, in 1968, he purchased property around the, the stadium and developed that. And so, you know, my dad was a real Don Cam. He was a really uh, supportive on the chamber and, and just always had his hands in on development and helping people. So um, it's been part of our, our legacy, basically. Yeah, you know, I was reading about uh, uh, under the About tab at Armor Heating and Cooling about how your dad, Don Kim, and William Young started the company. Uh, and it's still going strong, as you said, and it's multi-generational, three owners. And it's really one of those Western New York success stories. Tom, uh, again, to reach Armor Heating and Cooling, 824-4209. Tom, it's been great to have you on the show. When we get some of our technical glitches worked out, I'd like to have you back on and have a little more of an extended segment. Thank you so very Brian, much for joining Brian, us. Can I, can I just thank M&T Bank for their, their payroll protection that they gave us to help us uh, from having to lay anybody off. Um, they're a wonderful bank. They've done a lot for West New York businesses. And, uh, again, I'd like to thank them. I'd like to thank Intercom and, and uh, Christine Lush for, for setting this up. Oh, this is so nice of you to mention that. Uh, really appreciate that, Tom, and uh, kudos to you for being such a class act. Look forward to talking with you again down the road. Thanks so very much. Thanks. Thanks, Brenda. Go Buffalo. Let's go Bills. Go Let's Bills. Go Bills. Can't wait. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brenda. 
You bet. Take care. Well, we're going to shift gears in just a moment and head over to the Chandler Street Farmer's Market. Yes, indeed. It's January, but there's a farmer's market. And talk with Lisa Brocato back right after this. Thanks for tuning in to Slice of Life. Now back to your hostess with the mostess, Brenda Alacy. Well, it's been said that good things come in small packages, and we're going to be talking about a small package of deliciousness, microgreens. And it's a pleasure to welcome Lisa Bricado, who, along with her husband, Justin Bricado, is the owner of Rooted Locally. Good morning, Lisa. Hi, Brenda. Good morning. Welcome. And you're hard at work already on this Saturday morning at the Chandler Street Market, right? Oh, I can't complain about this morning. It's beautiful out here. The sun is out. It's not raining. It's gorgeous for a winter in January. I will take it. Yes, it's a bonus day for sure. And Lisa, um, your business is such an interesting one and so unique. For folks who are not familiar with microgreens, how do you describe what you grow and how they're used? Yeah, so um, Ruta Vogli is an indoor vertical farm. We specialize in microgreens and edible flowers. We grow year-round, and we do it in a controlled environment under lights. So our product is a non-GMO, pesticide-free product. And microgreens, what they are is just they're the same seeds that you would use for um, full-size plants, but you're eating them, you're consuming them at their, like, baby level, if you if you will. So it's before they've actually matured. And when you do that, there's... Um, intense flavor and higher nutritional value so usually they're harvested within you know some of the varieties are like five to you know 30 days of being alive and they're very small um but that's that's how we grow we use organic soil and organic vermiculite so we do everything and um trying to do like the you know the most organic way possible if you will you know, it's something that you might see when you're out at a restaurant, Lisa, right on the plate when the presentation is so much a part of the dining experience and the evolution of dining in Western New York is just uh, fantastic. The way restaurants have really done the farm to table uh, philosophy and taken it to the next level. But you might see a beautiful um, edible flower or some greens that are sprinkled on top of an entree. Is that what you would consider your microgreens? Absolutely. Um, that is, uh, you know, how a lot of like the restaurants utilize our product as almost a garnish or something to elevate the plate. Um, at home chefs use it a lot in their regular cooking as if it were an herb or to add to like, uh, you know, a fresh bite to like a sandwich, a wrap or, you know, within their salads. I mean, if you've ever been to like any, um, we, we have probably, well, when they're all open, we have about 30 restaurants that we work with. Uh, some of them that you might have been to have are Giancarlo's, Jasmine, um, Las Puertas, uh, Share, Lucky Day Whiskey Bar, Webster's, just to name a few. Oh, yes. They're definitely, uh, they're definitely smart to take advantage of what you do. And, and I've had the pleasure of enjoying a number of your microgreens. And they, there's a, a real full flavor. They pack a punch, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, when we were at the farmer's market, we set them up so that people can, and we do it like a range of scales. So we'll say, okay, these go mild to spicy. And people look at us go, spicy? And I go, no, they're really very, you know, some of them can get very spicy. The one that you like a lot is the um, 
one that tastes like Weber's horseradish mustard. And it yes. blows people's minds when they try it because they'll, they'll bite into it. And at first there's nothing. And then a second later, there's a kick of, <laughs> of, of horseradish. And it's like that one is amazing on um, sandwiches and in eggs. And just it's you can add it to so much just to elevate your plate. Oh, definitely. Lisa, you mentioned about the restaurants and, you know, hopefully they'll start to reopen and stay open and survive. But, of course, it begs the question about how COVID has affected your business because there's so many businesses that are affected almost in a domino effect where the restaurants close and it's going to impact Rooted Locally, among many others. What has life been like for you and your business in the era of COVID-19? Uh, it was quite an interesting turn of events um, when we have our company has two sources of income so or revenue. We have the farmers markets and we have restaurants. So when the restaurants were shut down twice now, um, you know, mid-March to the beginning of January, there was literally no income coming in because the farmers markets with all of the things that we had to do to um, like the farmers markets themselves to launch safely and reopen safely, all of those markets that normally open in May were not able to be open until, you know, um, June or July. So there was some issues with like opening in that sense. Um, and then in, you know, the, this last uh, segment where they've been shut down, um, you know, where they're not doing full service dining. I mean, for right now, I think what I guess if we're looking at silver lining of COVID, it made us realize how much we really needed to diversify our product. And we're hoping that our expansion this year will allow us to do that because microgreens in a restaurant's um, point of view is more of a, a luxury item that they add on a plate when you're dining there. If they're doing just takeout, it's hard to, you know, justify an expense like that, you know, when they're just trying to keep their doors open, you know, and we understand that, you know. <laughs> of course, of course. And now you talked about expanding. What will you be doing? Well, um, in late 2018, we had purchased 24 acres of vacant land on Millersport Highway from the Erie County Foreclosure Auction. We were just we were so excited um, to take our you know 400 square feet right now that we're growing in and expand it on this large piece of property and and really go to more traditional farming methods as well as doing indoor farming continued. Well, the conversations um, you know when they began in. Um, 2019 with the town and um, we found out that our land was actually um, designated wetlands. So for 2019, the majority of that year was spent um, with, you know, paperwork and studies and evaluations on the land. And it looked like there was a glimmer of hope at the beginning of 2020 and then COVID hit again and uh, delayed a lot of that. But we are, from our last conversations with um, the New York State DEC, it looks like there's hope at the end of the tunnel and we're going to be able to do our expansion very soon. And our plan is to develop a new farm on one acre of our property right now. And the farm's going to include high tunnels and caterpillar tunnels. And those are used to extend seasons so that we can grow significantly more and outdoors for a longer period of time in, you know, Buffalo, which is great. And um, we'll also have a large uh, building for continued indoor vertical growing under lights and in a controlled environment. So the setup will allow us to diversify our products and offer many Western New Yorkers access to local non-GMO pesticide-free produce. That that is so exciting to hear, Lisa. And you are growing, planting seeds. I mean, you can make all the analogies you want about (laughs) your business. And uh, it's so nice to hear about a, a locally based company that is just 
moving ahead and uh, and helping people eat in a more nutritious manner in a safe manner. Um, I think you know all of us have our antenna up about safety these days, and so even our diet is so important. Is that the kind of feedback you get from customers that they they want to eat healthy, they want to eat organic? I yeah, I mean I I definitely feel that way, and I feel like there's two there's two sets of customers that buy from us. One is buying it for uh, the nutritional factor, and the other is just buying it for the flavor. But the people that are buying it for the flavor are getting the added bonus of the nutritional factor as well. So, um, but yeah, and I could see that this is important to people because I mean we're we're in January right now at a winter farmers market. And people are coming um, in a very safe way. There's masks and there's social distancing, and it's an indoor-outdoor mix. But people are here so that they can get access to this local, you know, produce. And it's not just, you know, farms that are here. It's, you know, restaurants and, um, you know, other vendors. But it's – Buffalo's been just so great with trying to support their local people. It's so nice to hear. And you're there uh, every Saturday from 9 to 2 at Chandler Street, which is – one of my favorite areas now, the way that whole area has been built up, thanks to the vision of Rocco Germany. Uh, yeah. Where else can people find you, Lisa, as we wrap up here? You know, um, uh, we are big on our um, social media, so like Instagram or um, Facebook at Ruta Locally. Our website is com. Right now, we are just at um, the Chandler Street Winter Market on Saturdays. People can, um, you know, restaurants, if they are opening, um, they can call for uh, orders. We do have, we're always growing. <laughs> so there's always something available. And here well, um, at the Chandler Market, there's about 20 other vendors. So there's a lot of um, selection for people to, to buy from. Well, I'm glad that you planted your roots locally. And I really appreciate your time this morning, taking time from uh the Chandler Street Market. I encourage everybody to try your fabulous microgreens, and I look forward to seeing you soon one of these days, Lisa. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, and I can't wait to see you, too. I miss you. (laughs) (laughs) I miss you, too. That'll put a wrap on this edition of Slice of Life. My thanks to Jim Stelliano for his help back at the station. We'll see you next week as we carve out another slice. Thanks for listening. Brenda will be back next Slice of Life on ESPN 1520.